interesting original cinema they really are original aren't yeah. they i was thinking about that i was like they don't follow they might draw on like tropes or stereotypes yeah. But the actual, in terms of the storytelling and the ideas behind it, they truly are like one-offs. They're really, really one-offs. And that's particularly interesting to me as we exist in a time that seems really saturated by like IP or franchise content. Like mm-hmm. it's depressing that it's so rare that we get some kind of, especially big blockbuster, which oh, yeah. is it kind of is some mm-hmm. blockbuster original content and i hate calling it content but let's be frank that's what we all um, refer to everything as these days um so to that end i always want him to succeed and do well accordingly Mm. um i just find him endlessly fascinating anyway and i do think that when he releases something i do look forward to like the um promotional cycle yeah because if you listen to him talk about anything um i listened to the episode of uh, the big picture where there's an interview of, that Sean Fennessy does with him and he's just a very like interesting man he's obviously knows his references he's just you know loves quite obviously loves cinema mm-hmm. so I just find that it's just whenever I know that he's got something coming out I'm just excited and I also find it fascinating as well that he comes from a, a largely comedy background yeah that's and really if, if you've ever seen Key and Peele yeah so for him to sort of do this like heel turn to be doing like you know because all three of his films are horror films in a yeah, way yeah for him to do that it, i i you know that is very interesting yeah it's quite well. an antithesis isn't it to become yeah. like a key player in the horror genre yeah um after doing comedy although comedy and horror i guess do go hand in hand quite very a lot. very true very true um, yeah i feel the same about jordan Pitt. it's always like a vent film mm. isn't it so you get that pre all of the the promos you say and the build-up is always exciting you have the event itself and then there's all of the things to kind of all of the layers of the onion to sort of unpeel afterwards and to talk mm-hmm. about. And I, I really like Jordan Peele. I like I like his comedy. I think he's genuinely quite funny. Yep. And he's been attached to, like a lot, as well as his filmmaking, he's been attached to a lot of film and TV work that I have enjoyed. So he was like a producer on Black Klansman, which we talked about. Yep. He wrote and produced Candyman, which was surprisingly good. Enjoyed um, it. Yeah, really good. Uh, and he was the host and producer of The Twilight Zone, which wasn't bad as well. Um. Get Out, obviously, is an absolute belter. Like, for a directorial debut, it's wild, that's isn't absolutely... It? It's so tight and effective. Yeah. And it had generated such a huge amount of conversation and really put horror films on the map that year in mm-hmm. terms of sort of, you know, even like Academy Award recognition, that you know, BAFTA recognition, that sort of thing. So definitely rocketed my expectations after that film. And we discussed us yeah uh his second film back in 2019 and it it felt like a bit of a disappointment because i think i'd overhyped myself oh yeah Um, felt the same which it was just a very big build-up and i was very just very you know overexcited um and it wasn't a complete payoff but i do think his like generally his eye and his style and the way he uses sound is fantastic and he does seem genuinely like a good dude and as you say like very intelligent Mm. and thoughtful and knowledgeable about his industry and he has a lot to say so he's got those really big and interesting ideas and a very unique way of saying it so yeah absolutely and I think that's why I do enjoy his work so much so when something is on the horizon I'm just like on a on a surface level I'm just looking forward to the fact that I know I'm going to have hopefully have a good time just experiencing his films in the cinema and you know there's going to be a lot to unpick yeah and, and that's there why will I be quite some like, really strong yeah 
messaging in there and some strong te- storytelling. I'm interested to see what he's going to tackle and what his angle is going to be mm. on on a. On and a it does thing. kind of surprise every time, actually. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. He always seems to do something like with Nope as well that mm. you you aren't quite expecting. No. Like when it was announced in 2019. Nope, 2020, that he was going to do this film and it seemingly seemed to be like a UFO film. That was sort of it felt like a surprising, yeah. even though it obviously sits within that genre and related genres that he's sort of dipped into before. So it shouldn't really be surprising, but for some reason, it's like, wow, okay, UFO story. What were your um, what were your expectations around this film in particular? Because it's had a fail, it's had like basically a two year yeah, lead up, it's, hasn't um, it? It's really funny to finally have experienced it and gotten around to actually seeing it. Um, my expectations were quite high. Obviously, as I've, I've I've just said, I do really look forward to his films. Um, I was really interested to see in what he did post us mm. when we talked about it on the episode of the podcast when we reviewed it. I remember us having sort of slightly conflicting feelings mm. about it. It feels like it is like the uh, difficult second child yeah. of someone's you know creative output. There are things I like about it. There are things that I just don't think work or just I wish was slightly better. Um, so I was really interested to see if this was going to be like a return to form mm. and also just to see like what he would do with this particular like genre trope. Because mm. I do feel like the, one of the things, and I'm sure we'll come on to discuss this, is that like the, the one of the most intriguing things I have about him as a filmmaker is that he operates within the confines of like the horror genre, but mm-hmm. he doesn't seem so aggressively locked into like, I'm going to do this one particular no, no, strain. No, no, You know, like, it's interesting that he does seem to be kind of, like, jumping around. Yeah, he loves genre film, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Genre, I so I was, in- I, I was sort of interested to see what he would do with, you know, tackling aliens, UFOs, um, more, more of a sci-fi um, mm. track. Um, I subsequently and purposefully hadn't read a huge amount about it i'd really tried my best to avoid spoilers so it came out in the states earlier the release date was put back here mm. i believe so subsequently i just was absolutely on spoiler watch because i didn't want any aspect of this no. ruined for me I'd, I'd sort of barely engaged with it at all in advance even when the trailer came out yeah and i feel um, like even the trailer and this is rare nowadays the trailer didn't give much away no, either I which i thought think. was canny it's unusual for no absolutely which is, and i think it's purposeful from his point of view as a filmmaker really he doesn't strike me as someone that wants to give away his tricks mm. or you know in key pieces of of plot within within the trailer mm. um and after all of that the, I, just the cast to me as well really so really good, appealed. It? it was really nice to see that daniel culio was going to be back working with jordan peele again after the success of get out big steven yoon fan uh love kiki, kiki palmer. palmer yeah so this holy like, triangle of great actors yeah yeah absolutely so th- that as well just sort of made me i don't know quite excited for it mm. in, a, in a in a nice way in a way that feels quite rare still at the moment in terms of uh, films that are that are coming out. Mm, yeah, I was sort of surprised that it had the trail, the initial sort of teasers and trailer mm-hmm. and things had the feel of like a bigger summer blockbuster. So yeah. that was that was a different tone. And as I said, the UFO thing sort of threw me initially, but then at the same time, when I thought about it, UFOs are such a sort of another great American pastime or tradition that he could mm-hmm. use to talk about, you know, people in society. And I think Peel himself called it sort of the great American UFO story or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, actually, yeah, this does totally make sense that he would do something based around this sort of mm-hmm. um, 
well, it's a very big part of, as you say, a big part of sort of genre film as well, like aliens and UFOs. And yeah, my expectations were, I think my expectations were high. I was excited. I was just trying to be slightly more mindful because last time was a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree, actually. Yeah, I think I, I think I had high expectations, but I definitely measured them mm. because of how we'd felt. Like, I, I, it's really funny, actually. I vividly remember when we, when we went to see us sitting in the cinema and just feeling a bit like... And I feel like it's like, I feel a bit bad saying that because when I think about Peel's work and all the things I do like, there is so much. Mm-hmm. So it feels unfair to be a bit disappointed by yeah. it, but it's still there. And But at the same time, I mean, he's only done three films um, and the third one's just been released and he has such, he's had such a big cultural impact. And um, I was reading how uh, Jupiter's Clan, which is the setting mm-hmm. for um, Ricky's character in Nope, is now at Universal Studios as well. Like the set is now oh, at wow. Universal Studios, okay. so they've built it there. And it's the first time um, an attraction has opened the day and the date of the film release, and also the first time a black director has had an attraction at the park. And that's I just mad. thought, I mean, that's pretty big yeah. for just the third film. Um, and bearing yeah. in mind, like, Get Out was obviously a big success, but was very small budget. Yeah. So. To already be like, yeah, the set's there at Universal Studios the day of its relief just seems like that's indicative of how big his impact has been. So I really wanted this film to be good. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. So we'll we'll do a bit of a deep dive into certain elements of this film, but what were your initial reactions straight after seeing it? So we saw it together at the cinema, um, but you had to run off to catch some public transport quickly afterwards, so we didn't get... Um, an opportunity to discuss it and actually i have noticed we usually don't discuss things straight away afterwards do we? i feel like we leave them yeah for a little bit just to kind of like i don't know ruminate on them and then we discuss it but what were your like gut reactions straight after having seen it i feel like we never discuss anything unless it's very bad or like, like that person's very hot this is awful or yeah like he was quite hot wasn't he um, that's that's true if, yeah, if we like it we don't cool. usually say anything afterwards it's no. just we go and talk about something else and then yeah. two days later we've got two hours worth of conversation <laughs> to get through uh i really liked it i really had a good time with it so did i and i didn't expect to as much as i kind of did mm-hmm. i don't know like obviously like i've just said i had really high expectations for it but i just had a good time like yeah. it just felt I know. I thought it was really, really interesting. It's so visually striking. The setting, Huge, the kind of like it? Yeah. the, the uh, California desert, the ranch. Um, it felt really different to a lot of things. Like it felt really different to like the setting of Get Out, for yeah. example. The setting of Us, mm-hmm. for example. I just um, feel quite claustrophobic, actually. Yeah. And this is just a lot. It's a lot bigger and a lot ex- like very expansive. Yeah, it's yeah. wide and expansive, and I felt I feel like it has like innate rewatchability. Like I have thought mm. about it a lot this week, and I was thinking like, oh, I bet oh, I'm interested to see like what I would take from it a second time. I really liked the the fact that it's essentially a film about Hollywood and yeah. about filmmaking and mm-hmm. about. You know, I think I hadn't quite twigged that in the no, from the trailer no, either. Not at so all. that was a sort of nice surprise. Yeah, I mean I think you get a reference to it because you have part of Kiki Palmer's monologue about the the Haywood um horses and the sort of the mm-hmm. history of it because she talks about the you know the first um images committed to film being of a man on a racehorse and mm-hmm. the man on the racehorse is a black man so mm-hmm. she talks about that in the mm-hmm. um in the trailer. Mm-hmm. But I liked that 
as well because mm. I think that um, I know I'm, I'm a big sucker for any film. I think we've probably discussed before about that is essentially about filmmaking. Films about films. And this feels very like adjacent. It's not as overtly. No, um, but, it, but it's about yeah. the people that are working mm-hmm. behind the scenes. And it the people rem- that are controlling. It remind well, it didn't remind me of, but I had like this. I don't know memory of sitting a few summers ago. And watching um, Once Upon a Time in mm-hmm. Hollywood mm-hmm. and having that same kind of like, I don't know, like oh, a film point? about filmmaking. And then we were sitting there watching Nope and I was like, this almost has the yeah, yeah Tarantino-esque the... film yeah. about filmmaking vibe. Yeah, it's the behind the scenes aspect yeah. of it. And actually it's, it's an aspect of filmmaking and the mechanics of filmmaking that I've probably not given much credence mm. to prior is actually how integral, like, animal trainers mm-hmm. can be when you are using wild animals God, so much. that's quite a big responsibility yeah. and I feel like the film obviously gets into the nitty gritty of mm-hmm. that but that just felt like a really untapped area for me particularly mm. that I'd never really seen on screen yeah. or given, given a huge attention, amount of attention mm-hmm. to as I said um, but yeah I just had a great I had a good time with it and I th- I've thought about it a lot this week and it has given me like homework in the sense that I've just wanted to read lots about yeah. it because I'm really interested like all of Jordan Peele's films actually um, I'm really interested to see what the critical reaction to it is what people's interpretations of it mm-hmm. are and that to me felt like a, a really positive thing yeah that like immediately I was like oh I want to see what like you know whichever writer that covering it on the yeah, room is yeah. going to say I want to see you know what and it kind of deepens, saying. it's the kind of homework that deepens your understanding yeah. rather than just trying to grasp at some understanding, no. which is what I felt. I felt a little bit like that when I was reading about us afterwards. I mm-hmm. didn't quite, we'll talk about this more, but I didn't, I didn't quite get it in the same way. I was confused by a well, lot of it. Whereas this was kind of like, no, I get it, but I'm really interested absolutely. to see. Um, there will no doubt be references and sort of motifs and, you know, elements of the story that i completely didn't notice that add even greater depth to yep. these themes and someone out there is going to be very clever and pick them up yeah so it was kind of like a joy to read about afterwards yeah in in like utter layman's terms when i was doing this reading after us it was like can someone explain this like what the purpose of this was beyond the part at the end where it is explained to me yeah. like am i miss for me i felt like i was reaching i was searching for meaning yeah because I was concerned I'd missed something mm-hmm. because I hadn't as I hadn't connected with it as mm-hmm. much. Whereas with this, it was like I had my very own uh, take yeah. on what it's about, and I was really interested to see if that was the like general yeah, consensus, consensus or if that was something I was projecting mm-hmm. or bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love those experiences. I think that's a that's a real that's a that's part of watching films and engaging with films that I really enjoy. Yeah. So generally very positive for yeah. us both. It did feel like my kind of summer blockbuster. So sci-fi western with moments of horror. <laughs> I was like, that's, yeah, that feels like a good a good vibe to me. Um, and if we, so if we talk a bit about, we've kind of touched on genre and sort of the style of the film um, a bit. And it's very much a film to watch in the cinema because of its scale, yeah. as we said. Uh, and it's also probably not what we initially expected from Peel. I'd read somewhere someone described it as like a Spiel- Spielberg-esque kind of sci-fi western, which I felt was really fitting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely filled 
as we'd kind of touched on, it is it's a very original story, mm-hmm. but it's still filled with those sort of like familiar bits of sort of genre iconography. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of the 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 use of genre and the style of this film? So my controversial take is that for me, in terms of sci-fi and things within sci-fi of the varying different strains um i am not usually that fussed about alien films and ufo films um i obviously like alien yeah there's like a handful of but good ones yeah but but i think i think that the the trouble with them is a lot of the time is that they they there's a thin line between it being unsettling and believable yeah and and maybe leaning into those like is there other life out there mm-hmm. you know those those sort of human questions mm. of um speculating yeah on well we can't be the only other planet mm. and with life form etc etc um so there's a thin line between that and it being like utterly cringe little green men yeah like yeah this is just and you get a lot of little green weird. men or representations of aliens in these in yeah. those sorts of films don't you and notably the only um moment where we have little green men in this film mm-hmm. they're not no. they're not aliens no. so uh it's yeah not at all so i think that's the thing for me is i i was slightly apprehensive from a genre point of view as to like what he would what his approach would be but i think he uh tackles it in a in a in an interesting new direction mm. because of how he essentially ties it into uh because spoiler it's not a UFO. It's it's a it's like a living. It's an being. animal. It's an animal. It's a, it's wild a living animal. being. Yeah. Um, and obviously, everyone in the film is like bringing their own baggage towards mm-hmm. the fact that it's a UFO and they can monetize this. Mm. And you know, you've got Angel as a character. He's this you know slight conspiracy theorist yeah. that believes in is really aware of that entire uh, landscape online. Mm-hmm. And so you've got that side of things. He's got the techie conspiracy nerd you've that you techie, need in these alien Yeah, films. of course. The slight comedic relief. Yeah. Um, but then that's a, that's sort of like cut, uh, accounted with Daniel Kaluuya's mm. character, Otis Jr., who, who is the one to conclude, mm. well, actually, no, it's not it's not a UFO. It's actually an animal. And that, that, to me, felt slightly refreshing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And there's... I mean, I don't know how many alien western films there are out there i can only think of cowboys versus aliens well i'm glad you're mentioning it banging film we're just gonna draw loads of parallels to that now um but for me i went in expecting to yeah pay a lot of attention to kind of the the alien and the ufo like Mm -hmm. genre iconography Mm -hmm. and then ended up spending a lot of time thinking about westerns yeah which was obviously set up in the in the trailer but i hadn't really thought about it that much until we started watching this and it was like, wow, okay. So the sort of main setting is Hollywood. It's sort of just outside of, um, sort of north of Hollywood in an area that looks like the frontier. So you've yeah. got, and is where a lot of big Westerns have traditionally been filmed. Yeah. So you've got these huge, beautiful expanses of landscape and the mountains, the big blue open sky. It's a film that mostly takes place in daylight as well, yeah, which, is which is interesting, quite unusual. Well. Us was very dark yeah. um, and takes place at night. Um, and you've got like a lot of physical action here. So the horse riding and the sort of attempts to capture this UFO. 
Um, so it was a lot more kind of action, like physical. There was a lot more physical action than I was expecting. Mm. Um, not as many quiet moments right. in this film, but that felt sort of very Western. Mm-hmm. Otis is obviously the kind of, he's like a cowboy, but in a scorpion king hoodie. The independent lone cowboy. He is, yeah. He's yeah. like the working cowboy turns into the hero cowboy. Yeah. You've got, you know, the Wild West Saloon of Jupiter's Clam. You've got you've got corner all of those things so i was like wow i just hadn't quite expected it to um talk about the western no I the wild west I, genre yeah. as much i thought it was going to be more of a commentary or would use more sort of yeah we'll be talking more about aliens but actually mm. it's a ufo that's dropped into yeah a western yeah absolutely yeah and i feel like there's there's there is a sort of a, a through line of like environmentalism oh in, yeah in that sense. yeah absolutely because you have got this like vast expanse of land. Like I feel like with the, with aliens and with UFO within a genre, mm. it's either that it's the aliens coming down and yeah. and causing chaos and mm-hmm. destruction on the land, or it's people from mm-hmm. the land going into space. Yeah, it's like really territorial. But then if you fold that into the Western aspect mm. of it, you've got the entire like front- yeah, frontier. Yeah, that's really true. You know, territory. The invaders and the... Yeah, yeah. the invaders. You could read so much into it if you wanted to about the uh, role that cowboys and, and frontiersmen had in, in terms of eradicating native peoples yeah, from the land. Yeah. You know, the alien being just simply wants to exist and, mm-hmm. you know... Feed yeah, who's the, the who's the uh, who's the yeah. bad guy here? Yeah, like, is absolutely. it the the UFO? Yeah, or is it um, you know, Ricky and his Wild West saloon trying yeah, to monetize? Definitely. Yeah, that's really interesting. I hadn't even thought about. There are so many, and this sort of leads into my second sort of um bullet point, as it were, around the sort of themes and storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like we're used to, Peel is obviously very big on theme and allegory, and he has a lot to say, but you. You never can quite predict how he's going to say it, but he loves, yeah, he loves the use of allegory and he's always telling a story underneath the story. Mm-hmm. But this one felt like it had so many clever, they were, the the themes and the points that he was trying to raise are so interlinked. Yeah. As you say, so it's about this and this and this, but it all comes together in one and is all kind of interconnected. And I thought that was really impressive. Um, Get Out has like a strong theme, but quite a simple execution, I think. Um, and then us is steeped in meaning, probably too much, and feels a bit more disparate, in my opinion. Like it's I all. I think the thing I often find I can't with, quite entangle it. Yeah, the thing I find with Get Out is that, like, if you had to write down what the plot is, mm. it's essentially like a boyfriend goes home with his girlfriend for the first time and discovers that her family are racists. Yeah. That's essentially, like yeah. yeah. Like that's that's literally, yeah. That's all you and and you you understand that you you know where it's going to go. Yeah, and you sort of predict yeah. where it's going to go from there. And obviously, it's not to say that it's a it's straightforward. No, the way it's, it's told is really cool. And you, you know, with the sunken place and hypnosis, yeah. and that's very like super interesting and rich. But as you say, at a base level, we're basically about. talking about yeah. the way that white people treat black bodies. Yeah, and black men. Yeah. And yeah, it's, yeah, you're right. It's just, it's kind of, it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, Us was still a bit too murky for me. I can't, yeah. I still can't quite work out what it's trying to say. Mm-hmm. And this is like... It's harder, it would be harder to explain. To yeah, this leans more towards Get Out, but in a, a, a far more, 
not subtle way, but I don't know. This this is very textured. But yeah, I can it's not kind of see the points that it's trying to make at the same yeah. time, but in a very clever way. So some of those themes, um, one of them, which is a, a very early theme, is the erasure of black people in history of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about how this film is very much a film about making films. And we learn that early on that um, Otis and Emerald, who are the siblings, are trying to continue their father's business and his legacy at Hay- is it Haywood's Hollywood Horses. It is, yeah. I think it is. They're animal handlers for fu- for films, and Emerald tells that story on set of the first moving image um, from 8087. It's called Plate 626, and it features a black horse rider who a- Emerald says is their ancestor. And you've got that horrible feeling on the set where the staff are like immediately dismissive of yep. Otis's expertise with the horses mm-hmm. and they sort of seem to veer towards being either disinterested or kind of laughing at Emerald's story her pitch yeah. that kind of thing so it's got that very uncomfortable overt racism but yeah this idea of sort of the erasure of black contributions to filmmaking and particularly the western genre Mm -hmm. is kind of peppered throughout this film and again was something that i wasn't obviously i I just fall into that trap of not being aware of really myself yeah and i completely agree and i think it's it's interesting that he's drawing attention to like i was saying like the real like behind the scenes Mm. side of of it's not just the actors is it it's not just the treatment of black actors or you know black directors even or people who were sort of slightly more at the forefront of filmmaking it is those people in the background yeah and it's that scene in particular that you talk about where emerald turns up on set and does this sort of monologue where she explains the history of their family business and she's sort of talking about her own aspirations career-wise and Mm. then does a little bit of a briefing for everyone on set and it's like they they are so dismissive they do not consider her expertise despite the fact that she knows better than them they think that's not the case Mm. and then something goes wrong and it backfires um classic and they're the ones that are hung out to dry mm-hmm. like they're kicked off the set they're you know oh this this is this one isn't for you mm. but like see you soon mm. and it ties into the the sort of wider theme that it talked about in other ways about the treatment of animals and yep. filmmaking as well yeah. because you know they're not taking this role seriously and they're not taking the animal seriously yeah. at all it's just like an aspect of this set that they need to get sorted and they really don't care about it no it's a real disregard of of expertise mm-hmm. And I think that threads in really well to the fact that there is, there will be so much of Hollywood history mm-hmm. that has been oriented around like non-white craft makers, yeah, um, in in the varying different departments mm-hmm. that will have been lost to time, yeah, or just we'll have no idea about, be, have been considered mm. as important as anything that's created by a, a white person. Mm. And as with most things, actually, it's you know those are roles that are typically under valued anyway and that we don't get to see on screen so we almost don't pay attention to them so lots of people in those positions are undervalued but to be in a position like that and to be black means that you are even more Mm. like negatively you know you're erased basically so you've got like that double that double hit yeah Um, yeah completely because you essentially you've got and, and to have as well the black characters on on that set in particular be the people that are in charge of the animals Mm -hmm. and so not only is what they're saying being paid attention to Mm -hmm. it's like the animals are being completely disregarded yeah completely so it's like you put the two together yeah 
and it's just a complete unwillingness yeah. to engage. It's a horrible, horrible mix, yeah. isn't it? It's really demoralising and just... It's just, yeah, it's horrible. And this idea of sort of the erasure of black contributions to film is also linked to specifically to contributions to the western genre mm-hmm. and the whole mythology of cowboys yep. um there's a film called buck and the preacher which is from 1972 which is featured throughout nope and there's a there's a quote from peel where he's talking about that film and says it's the first film that i know of that had black cowboys represented in it the myth that cowboys were just white guys running around it's just not true but we don't know that because of Hollywood and the romanticised view of a very brutalised era. So, yeah, again, it's that idea of this is a genre that has, you know, people would regard as a predominantly white genre. Like, cowboys, they're white. Yeah, um, absolutely. And there are lots of real cowboys from history that have been completely forgotten and cowboys on film that have been completely disregarded as well. Uh, there are two things on that point. Buck and the Preacher was was is directed by... Sydney Poitier. Oh yeah, of course. So that in itself yeah. is significant. And the, and the other thing is that like you're completely right is that if you ask someone to recall from memory like significant key figures mm. in in western mm. filmmaking, most people's default mm. is going to be Clint Eastwood mm. or John Wayne. Yeah. Two older Notoriously racist people. Wait, yeah, but it's true though, isn't Notoriously it? Notoriously racist. Yeah, yeah, and it's like you, it, it's that it's such a it's an entire um, historical area mm-hmm. where I feel like so much of people's perception of it, mm-hmm. understandably so, has been moulded by what you've seen on on in screen Hollywood, yeah. in Hollywood, mm-hmm. and that quite clearly doesn't line up with the actual realities of yeah. it on the ground on an actual mm. you know in terms of like the demographic makeup mm-hmm. of cowboys in america mm. at any one stage it's not going to be a solely white endeavor mm. but hollywood has such a key role in shaping because for a significant period of time it was one of the main like money making endeavors mm. within hollywood it mm. was an entire you know in terms of genre filmmaking mm. Mm. It was up there. Mm. It gets churned out because it was that was a thing that was was I assume really easy to make. Yeah, and it consistently, you know, consistently happens. Yeah, yeah. And that's just really, it's why it's really interesting that I feel like Peel has decided to posit, yeah, that as a as a genre, Western mm. as a genre, like and tie like you say, tie it into that sci-fi ufo yeah you go in thinking it's a ufo because you're right you do go i hadn't even thought twice about the fact that it these are horse handlers these are people neither and i they live on a ranch in like california like not i was like wow alien yeah you know yeah absolutely and um it's not it's a western film with a ufo in it i think yeah another another big film in nope um which actually features before we even see the first opening scene is that idea of spectacle Mm. and the business of spectacle and our addiction to spectacle. So we've got this Bible passage right at the start of the film, which is, I will pelt you with filth, I will treat you with contempt and make you a spectacle. So Peel said he felt inspired to write Nope during lockdown and the pandemic. Um, And in a GQ article with Jarek Kennedy, Peel talks about the endless cycle of grim, inescapable tragedy. And he says, we were going through so much 
so much of what this world was experiencing was this overload of spectacle and kind of low point in a, of our addiction to spectacle. So it is this film. So much of this film is about our addiction to watching something huge and tragic and terrifying. Um, and it's something that I've thought a lot about recently. And I think we've I've had conversations with Wes about and I've no doubt had conversations with you about, which is this idea of you know there's there's things obvious examples like you know the us and gun violence but sort of closer to us at home in the uk i have thought a lot recently about the news cycle because i haven't been looking at the news cycle mm -hmm. and how we've got this absolute inertia towards like catastrophic catastrophic events mm -hmm. and everything that's happening with us at the moment with you know heating and food poverty and inflation and transphobia and monkeypox and all of these things um, we're completely addicted to watching like scrolling news coverage of it, but no one does anything about it. It's like where are the where are the riots? Like we're not doing anything because we're completely addicted to watching it, but we don't we do fuck all about it. Which so I've been thinking about that so much within the context of this film. Uh, well, I hundred percent agree, and I feel like it's, it's the nope is so fascinating to me in that regard mm. because I feel like it's so much of it is about engaging the notion of engaging with everything through a lens yeah. so our inability to follow everyday life unless it's through a camera or a phone yes yeah, so or true. by watching a video in line i feel like it's extremely critical of our screen centric lives it ties in really well to that entire thread where you've got antlers holst the cinematographer yeah. who's obsessed with the desire for the one perfect shot yeah. that he will be known as you've got the entire tmz the strand. tmz bit i forgot about um, that that's just and, and the thing that I feel like it's this it's you're right it's this in, in, inability for us to experience an event in real time without processing it through mm. a device mm. and actually how that really disengages us mm. from what is happening mm. and I feel like nothing in this film is more evident than when you have dupe talking about this extremely traumatic event mm. in his childhood mm. that changed his working life yeah and the only way that he can explain it to uh emerald and mm. otis is by recounting a saturday night live skit yeah. about yeah. it that he says you can watch God, on youtube yeah. because it's this strange disassociation mm. from actually having to track tackle the head-on reality yeah of a thing that is ex you just turn it into a youtube video or whatever yeah that is yeah. bad yeah it's it's i th i was thinking about it a lot this week in terms of like the memification of of the news cycle oh yeah because it's an immediate defense it against is. actually having to experience and engage with the reality of what yeah. is happening yeah it's like if i can immediately meme it mm -hmm. Or, or or go on the back foot and just become very nihilistic about yeah. it then it's the only way I can cope mm. with the processing of it mm. and there's so much in this film about like the difficulty of processing trauma yeah yeah I mean I think is, I think is unique for our generation yeah. in a way because we have grown up with mm. the internet and that's just how you get everything like it's it, i completely agree with you in that like i've completely disengaged from mm. reading the news but then i'll sit and scroll twitter and depressingly twitter is how i get your news my news a lot yeah. of the time but the breaking news yeah i'll like check the guardian website mm. but i'm not scrolling it the entire mm. time but i have got my phone 
there is a weird you're right i was thinking the other day about um i was asked a question the final girls were talking podcast were talking about where teen they've been doing a season on teen horror and they were saying where is teen horror going in mm-hmm. the future and i was thinking about how much of teen horror is just going to be about yeah unpacking like reactions to trauma mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and was like wow that really is going to be like the next 10 years of teen horror film filmmaking yeah but on the flip side how how many things do we need that tell you that being on the internet is bad for you oh yeah all the time and the internet is, tells me that all the time and this is why i feel like nope is interesting because i think mm. it's at, it's unpacking generally yeah because it's not just thinking about it's not thinking about the internet it doesn't yeah. even reference that it's just the fact that it is this like screaming yeah sex screen thing. I, and I they've got the cameras get, up and, yeah. yeah there and, are lots of cameras and screens yeah. and, and if you and if you think about the way that the film pans out the way that the, the only way they capture mm. what they're after is by using a physical yeah like admittedly like visco quality <laughs> cap you know yeah. proper film camera and related to that otis and emeralds like their initial reaction when o- firstly it's really striking that when otis first tells emerald like i've just seen a ufo mm-hmm. she doesn't not believe him no. it's again it's almost like i mean i would have ptsd if i saw a ufo and her her reaction is just like cool okay we should capture it so yeah. it's firstly it's there's mo- this absolute lack of it's the money she yeah she, her like... first thing is like okay cool we can make money we can capture this it needs to be captured for that you know that bigger consumption that oprah moment and she, but also her reaction isn't even it's not like she disbelieves him and then is like she has no reaction mm-hmm. to this devastating thing and it's like yeah okay cool I believe you um, let's try and capture it and as you say the 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 spectacle and need for spectacle that's what they they go to first and I think Otis is probably I think part arguably part of their motivation is that actually they need the money yeah. so and that's what people are driven to do nowadays is that they need the money because they are not you know their legacy is failing and their role in the industry is being diminished and they're being crushed so they need the money so they're driven to doing things that you ordinarily wouldn't do mm-hmm. because of this situation but also it's that like instinctual yeah that instinct nowadays to capture something and to get it out there and to sell the story and to make money and everyone needs to see this um so yeah the instinct is to stick around and film the ufo and not get the fuck out well it's the default isn't it if you think about like i know we've talked before about like when you go to go to like music events mm. now for example it's like there's a real like you watch it through everyone's phones yeah you're not experiencing it <laughs> yeah people aren't experiencing it because their their default mm. in the moment is to just get the camera out and mm. have a slight detachment from it and one of the things that i i thought a lot about again in the film is that um, Otis Otis has a flip phone. He doesn't yeah. even have a smartphone. Yeah, so he's not even. No. So yeah, and his yeah his intention. I think his intention around the UFO probably is to make money. Yeah. Like as in because he needs the money to keep the ranch yeah. going. But then that's only an idea that he gets yeah. given by his sister. That's not yeah. his. That's not his immediate. Like, Parents didn't haven't gone out into the wider world and having those phones. Yeah. Like, we need to capture this. Well, she she knows there's an entire market for it mm. online, and obviously Angel brings that to their attention as well. Is that there's yeah. people out here? Yeah. That would pay good good money for this. Mm. It's bankable. Yeah. And on the theme of, on spectacle as well, there's that very key plot point where quite literally Otis works out that the UFO will only attack people who look at, who gaze upon yep. it. So if you stare at it, it will come for you. Mm-hmm. If you're not staring, yep. it will not 
like like an animal mm-hmm. it will not you're not looking at it in the eye you're not gazing you're still not staring at it so that kind of spectacle is taken away which i think is really cool as well um peels talked about but some of the influences behind his work and also this film so sort of king kong jurassic park close mm-hmm. encounters mm-hmm. and again that is very much yeah. i mean a they're you know spielberg blockbuster style you know films with a lot of grandeur but they are also films of spectacle jaws as well as yep. a film that i've you know has been talked about with reference to nope it's like it's that we're gawping at something that's yeah. unusual to us um you talked about ex- the exploitation of this spectacle as well mm-hmm. and exploitation is a theme that links spectacle and hollywood together yep. Um, in that very clever way and that our need to exploit situations and living beings for money or fame so as we said emerald and otis the impulse is to get capture this this ufo and get the oprah shot rather than running away but there's there's a couple of other really key points in this film one of which is gordy the chimpanzee who is the first, so the first scene of this film that we open to is a film set that features a chimpanzee that has obviously, quote unquote, snapped on set and has murdered or maimed or attacked a number of people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really interesting start to the film because it completely throws you off. It completely throws you, but it also sets the tone. Mm-hmm entirely and i i feel like the entire gaudy plot line is key to understanding what the film is getting mm-hmm. at there was a really interesting piece by aa a. dowd on the ringer mm. which is sort of talks about the the, the, the gaudy uh plot line and actually what it means and the sort of the, the theories behind it and what the point of it is and i've just thought about it a lot in mm-hmm. terms of like the manipulation, the exploitation, mm. not only of animals, generally, but of people, of people as well. And it's just, and then inevitably with it, you then think about the real world equivalents mm. because you've got references to Oprah, um, you've got the uh, member of the cast who is then later at Dupes Ranch for the launch of his mm. uh, new money-making mm. endeavor, where he's again uh, trying to tame a mm. wild beast, and it's not that you empathise with the the chimp, mm. but it is this sort of strange. Like, you oh, understand you, it you though. Understand you it. totally understand it. Yeah, there's a real world kind of. St- I assume this this part of the film is making a very stark connection to a real world incident where there was a chimp in the 90s called Travis who was raised as a human by a couple who then snapped and attacked a woman and then she was seriously disfigured so her hands her nose her lips and her face and then she later went on to Oprah and she wore a veiled hat and revealed her disfigurement um, which is almost completely replicated, as you say, by Gordy on the film set and this um, this this woman that we see yep. in the arena at Ricky's event, and we just see a kind of shot of the her veil fluttering, and we can mm-hmm. see what's underneath. Um, and as you say, it's that message again about the exploitation of animals for entertainment and for spectacle, um, and it links to the treatment of the you know the mistreatment of the horses or on set, as in people just not caring that these horses need to be treated with sort of respect mm-hmm. and real care. A piece of trivia is that Gordy's home, which is the fictional TV set in this film, is set in Cape Canaveral, 
which um, is where the Space Shuttle Challenger blew up on live television. Yeah. Um, credit to Jen Yamato from the LA Times for that. I obviously did not uh-huh. find that tiny little snippet, but I thought that was a really clever connection. Actually, I was like, oh my God, yeah, another, another moment of spectacle. But also links Stephen Yin's character, Ricky. Mm-hmm. He was on the set of mm-hmm. Gordy's house and he is now trying to build a theme attraction around this UFO discovery just down the road from the Haywards house. So we, and we discover that he is the child, yeah, he's the child actor on the set with yep. Gordy who witnessed this horrible traumatic event and survived. Yep. And as you say, he is now, A, trying to sort of capture that fame again because he was a child star who's no doubt just, you know, lost that yep. that element Poor of fame. Yep. He's trying to, um, yeah, trying to sort of, his only reference point for this horrible traumatic event is things like SNL and he's also trying to monetize it because well, he has a literal museum. Yeah, and I think what again it comes back to the exploitation of trauma. It's like proper mm. trauma porn is that he knows there's an entire subset of people that are, are aware of this event mm. that happened that obviously wasn't didn't make it onto air because you're not going to it's not going to make it as part of the program, mm. but it's the stuff of legend mm. and there is a captive audience that like loves that shit mm. and I, I I have been there you know oh, God. whenever you find out something weird I listen bad, to true crime podcasts literally because, like, but he, he monetizes that mm. like he mentions at one point how I think it's a he says a Dutch couple paid £50,000 yeah, yeah. sorry to just spend the night I in forgot the, about what, what that, is essentially yeah. just like a, a closed off room off his office yeah. like it's not even like it's a a, a proper museum it's just mm. like a box room that's just got mm. like the paraphernalia from the set and, yeah. and people want to and the thing is it makes perfect sense you know there are people in the world that yeah. want to go and oh someone was murdered in this house let's go yeah. and stay there but he's also a product of that trauma as well so he has been traumatised and his response is to make bank on that trauma it's a real inability um, to process yeah and there are so many real life you know, there's just horrible cycles of sort of behaviour and things happening to young people who are exploited mm. and who become who, you know, end up inflicting or victimising people in the way that they were victimised when mm. they were younger. Mm. And it all kind of ties together, doesn't it? Yeah. I just I'm really impressed with the way that all of these themes are sort of very big and meaty and quite distinct, but all linked together. Yeah. Very cleverly at the same time. I was I was surprised, actually, by the end of the film that actually like everything came together mm. because the way that the film opens with the scene from I found that jarring initially it's really jarring um you obviously don't see anything no. but the use of sound on it the the blood visuals mm. just simply looking at this chimp that's obviously gone absolutely berserk and is covered in blood and just looks like a wild animal because yeah. it's a wild animal it's a really jarring way to open a film that you vaguely know is about aliens it's mm. completely contextless mm-hmm. but i loved that by the end of the film it all made to sense. me it mm. was just like well obviously it's just about how you you know what the consequence of of exploiting mm. the natural world and 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 we find out that the ufo is not so we think initially that the ufo is a spaceship Mm -hmm. housing ufos yeah but it is in fact the ufo it's not a spaceship it is a one being and it was one animal and during the film it becomes more animal like so it looks like a jellyfish or like some kind of insect but it becomes more living it looks more living doesn't it as we go along so you kind of get that sense that yeah this isn't this is a living being mm-hmm. animal quote unquote that we're 
exploiting and mistreating. Yeah. It's just so clever. It would just make it for me it really did everything lined up by the time the end rolled around and you're like, Oh yeah, I do actually this does make sense. Mm. Even though it is darting all over the place and sort of coming at it from different angles. Mm. Also, I've just been sitting here thinking about um, my great uncle who was attacked by a monkey. So, the, two the things, parallels. The two things that I thought about afterwards uh, were your great uncle and also the fact that for 45 years in this country, PG Tips. Oh my God, PG Tips. Had an entire <gasps> ad campaign that revolved around monkeys and jumpers. A family of chimpanzees. Oh. 45 years I when I went to get the bus that night that was the first thing I looked for you looked up was like how are those ant chimps they must be dead but the last one I think died at some point in the mid 2000s they got to live an actual chimp yeah, life in the end but, but that's 45 oh, that was years so weird, that's weird it? isn't it to yeah. think about that we was really was, weird we thought it was socially acceptable to just have like real chimps yeah very odd for additional context my great uncle had a pet shop and owned a pet monkey not a chimp it was a, a smaller monkey um, that was very, very tame and all the family loved. And then one day it went insane and attacked him and they had to kill it and he was disfigured for life. So I knew him as a man with very bad face. He had very big big scars all over his face and it is because he was quite literally attacked by his own pet monkey. So there you go. Rule isn't of stories. That, isn't that... Don't make monkeys pets. No, it's almost like you shouldn't try and... Wait, it's a chimpanzee and ape. Uh, Wesley Brown is going to tell you that they're, they're, they're an ape, aren't they? Yeah, no, don't make apes or ch- monkeys pets. Yeah. Is my, my, please, my please hot don't. take of the day. <laughs> it's um, a very, very, very valid hot take. <laughs> well, we spent a lot of time on themes, but it just shows that there's so much to talk mm-hmm. about. What did you think of the performances in this film? I love to be reminded about just how good Daniel Killer is. Like, it's Do not you like want I him to eye fuck you forever? <laughs> Sorry to I just want to look him to look at me with absolute disdain. Yeah. Like, where you can't tell if he hates you or likes you or is like properly sizing you up in a nice way. Beautiful thing. I just, I love, I just. Oh, it's like the bit in Widows, isn't it? Yes. Yep. The the, uh, basketball scene. I think of that that so often. Beautiful. Um, So he's obviously brilliant and he, he, um, you know, Otis is not a talker. He's not a man that has many words to say, but I feel like. Kalia's performance you just get a real sense mm. of like who OJ is you know perhaps why he's like this particularly when you see him alongside his sister who's yeah. so outgoing yeah. so extroverted is is the is running her mouth off constantly is, is guiding them in like mm. these directions that he's just like no I want to do the this thing and she's like no 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 Kiki Palmer is like fucking great and I just love her energy against the real yeah the real contrast aren't they and they make sense to me as siblings yeah yeah and that's it's that like constant push and pull isn't it against they're pushing and pulling against their father's legacy and i feel like oj's character who is very subdued as Mm -hmm. you say for a myriad of reasons no doubt some of which we know some which we don't um could only be played by kaluuya because he's so good at that despite the fact that he's not like that in real life no which i find really striking yeah i can't imagine anyone else in that role to be honest yeah yeah for that reason he's so good at it and i find it interesting i read a couple of things where people were saying that they they didn't they thought um kaluuya's character was sort of like underplayed or not very and i thought that was really interesting because i thought it was obviously very deliberately Mm. 
subdued like he's he's very deliberately not outgoing and also i actually got a much better sense of who he was and his relationship to his kind of like his upbringing and his relationship to the animals so the fact that he's he's so he understands these animals the horses so well that he can basically he solves this entire crisis because he can come to respect and understand the ufo as an animal and it's sort of nature yeah rather than falling prey to it yeah i got really yeah for a performance that isn't very overt like i got a really key sense of who he was yeah and kiki palmer as you say is the complete opposite she's sort of the one trying to get away escape this sort of you know the ranch but at the same time she is like she, so she's left time, she's trying to reinvent herself, but she's actually pulled back. And mm. there's, there's, she talks about that moment with the horse and her father promising like, promising that she could be trained or yep. something. Jean and jacket. she, that's it, but it, it never happened. And so he, his, her childhood and her relationship to him obviously casts a very large shadow over her life that she doesn't want to admit to. Um, and even things like when she does that re- that speech at the the studio, it's verbatim what her dad used to say. Yeah. So it's yeah. all you know, it's all tied together. So she's trying to get away from it. Otis is trying to capture it and keep it. Um, and they sort of like they, there's conflict, but there's also this sort of yeah, they find each other, don't they? And they're yeah. sort of brought together. But they're a really nice antithesis. I just think they gel so mm. so well together. Other performances wise, um, I genuinely was unsettled. By Stephen Yun. I don't like him as a. No, but it reminds me a lot of his uh, performance in Burning, Mm. where he's like, yeah, hot mystery man. But there's something there that's just like not right. He's got like a real like there's a sort of unsettling thing below the surface. Yeah. Um, and I and I. I kind of liked the fact that he was this man that's just covering a lot of unprocessed trauma, but he's mm. sort of seemingly re- removed for it. But then he's like fully got an agenda. Yeah. He knows what he wants to be doing in order to explo- exploit this mm. situation. He's kind um, of like the UFO again, where it's like you almost expect him to be the big baddie, but yeah. you also understand his motivations and what has made him especially as the film goes on and you do actually get to see more and more Mm. of that like very very inciting traumatic experience Mm. that he will have gone through in childhood and and to compare that to what he's doing as an adult yeah it kind of makes sense you know like the doing doing the cowboy stuff is sort of childlike and a Mm. bit boyish you know that's the type sort of thing that you get really into when you're a you know who else had a ranch kid Michael Jackson yeah well there you go um and Brandon like what adorable I wasn't expecting that at all Where's Angel see? Where's he come from? breakout oh, breakout role too. obviously just like on the, on the surface of things absolutely our type um, yeah he was a nice surprise as you say he's like the the genre stereotype of the techie conspiracy nut from sort of classic UFO films except he's also like oddly he's quite pure in intention actually there's parts where it does he he's the one that's worrying for everyone's safety yeah he's kind of like we should probably get out of here and he fears for the safety of earth there's mm-hmm. quite a i like the idea which was again gleaned from the internet not mine that he is a like he's playing his namesake he's the little like the yeah. literal angel yeah. of the situation and again like I've, I've sort of expected him to really lean into the exploitation element but i think he just sort of gets carried away within it and isn't yeah because he's not like full tin hat level no, conspiracy no. theorist he's just like got a very 
realistic. I think he's inquisitive outcome. about yeah, it. Yeah, but he seems slightly pure in intention as well. So that was a, a very good. There's just there's not a bad performance in this film. Love him seeing Michael Wincott. Oh God! Did yeah. you immediately think of the crow? Yeah, obviously. Yeah, well, not a nice voice. Great voice. gravel. Brilliant gravel voice. Love a gravelly voice. It's a it's a banging cast, really, isn't it? And that's something that is consistent with Peel's work. Yeah. You always get these really strong performances. Very much like very interesting ensembles. Yeah. The only thing I would say, actually, is I got a very, yeah, a very strong sense of OJ. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I almost would have liked to have spent a bit more time or like maybe a few more quieter moments with some of the characters just to get to know them a bit mm. better. Yeah. I felt like I didn't know Kiki as... A, Kiki Emerald as well as I sort of got Otis. Well, she didn't feel quite as three dimensional. She's not as well rounded. No, it? and I think I was like, oh, I could have spent, I could have spent more time actually with them. Yeah, and got an even better sense of their relationship together. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you. I I feel like with Daniel Kaluuya and with um with Otis, you understand him as a character based on A, what you're presented with and mm. B, how he presents himself. Mm. So you kind of, there's a lot of like intuitive mm. contextualisation there. Yeah. Um, but with Kiki Palmer, I do think it was a, a little bit lacking with, with um, Emerald there. Yeah, I think we could have got more out of her. She's the kind of final girl and I didn't, yeah. I wanted to spend a little bit more time getting to know her, I mm-hmm. think, is my one sort of slight criticism there. Uh, the, the only other thing I really wanted to touch on briefly was music and sound design because mm-hmm. it's one of the best elements of Peel's filmmaking I think I always think he manages to so he works with um, Michael Abels um, who has scored this film he also Mm. worked on Get Out and Us as well I did read a thing where he sort of said that uh, Jordan Peel's request for the music for the original music for the film was to sort of convey the the underlying threat Mm. level at all times and I do think that's evident yeah. And I love the way, though, that it, it switches back between, just in the, generally in the sound design as well, but it switches back between those original scores, but then also gets quite westerny at times. Yeah, yeah. I do love how it leans into that. Yeah, it that's really, really does. That's really satisfying. Yeah. Um, there's the, also a really good use of silence a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. The sound design on this is brilliant. So there's um, Johnny Byrne, who's an award-winning British sound designer. He worked on Under the Skin. Mm-hmm. which has a, a similarly sort of amazing, creepy. haunting, creepy sound yeah. design. Um, and I read an interview with him for Space.com, but he was talking about how sci-fi and UFO films are obviously very reliant on strange alien sounds, alien dialect, and there's yeah. none of that in this no. film. Which I'm glad of. Jean Jacket, who's the, the UFO, is normal, like, you know predominantly very quiet mm-hmm. as a predator would need to be yep. to hunt its prey you wouldn't have a noisy no. um, predator but there is a lot of silence there's a lot of natural sounds you've got the leaves and the wind and the horses which really builds that sort of tension and the expectation then you have this absolutely horrible awful screaming sound that it's quite subtle but you only get it when the the jean jacket UFO is passing over someone. You hear almost like in a very distant wind tunnel yeah. the sound of horses or people screaming, yeah. and it is the implication of that is horror. Again, it's implied horror. It's yeah. horrible. It's fully fully unnerving, yeah. unsettling, like stomach drop mm. level. Just like not not okay it's just horrible it really it? lingers with you as well because there's there's like the one scene in particular where the sort of crowd is taken up at dupes farm Ugh. 
and just the intensity. They do look like they're in a giant bouncy castle, just to, sorry. Yeah, they do, don't they? That's like weird body horror stuff yeah. going on on there, which I, I, I loved. Um, but yeah, that, that sound aspect. Horrible that sound. Like... He talked in this interview about how um, he and Peel discussed the skinny dipper in Jaws as the benchmark terrified Scream. Yeah. And how the song world of Nope would rely heavily on the credibility of Screams, yeah. which I think is really cool. But um, there's also a really amazing, There's, I mean, there's great artists, like the actual soundtrack of this film is very cool as well. As you mentioned, there's an amazing remix of um, Corey Hart's Sunglasses at Night, Obsessed. which is have listened to it so horrible, much very creepy. Yep. And there always seems to be, again, there's always like a track that I remember from a lot of films that Peel has been involved with. Mm-hmm. So obviously with us, we got like, the Lunismit remix of I Got Five on it. Yep. Amazing. And also I, I think about the remix of Say My Name and Candyman. Yes. He always has like, a good remix in there. Yeah, yeah, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, it's funny how Get Out is the outlier because it just has the uh, childish Gambino. Oh yeah, the childish Gambino. But that is the song I always think. Yeah, of. there's always a too. track. Good I think. Oh, also, there's a, a very satisfying uh, element of Nope where there is a ref- good reference to physical media because Emerald and Otis have obviously got what is oh, yeah. you presume is their father's mm. record collection. Um, and there is nothing more satisfying to me in film where you have a literal needle drop. Yeah. Like you literally see Watch it go. the needle dropping on the record. That just for me is just very pleasing. That's a, yeah, you could make a really good compilation. Yeah, this, I'm sure you? it exists. Um, is there anything in the film that you didn't think worked as well? Um, I'm really interested. So I talked about how I feel like the film is innately rewatchable. Um, I'm really interested to see how well that kind of alien transformation at the end holds up mm. over time. There is a lot of CGI UFO yeah. in this, it has to be um, said. I will say that for me, it looks like a cross between, you've already cited a jellyfish. Someone online had said that it looks like an Iris Van Herpen dress oh. i think it just looks like a strange gazebo at times <laughs> just a gazebo floating in the wind it's the it's the mouth yeah that looks like a wind tunnel yeah that's the only part of it yeah and in conversations that i've had with people about the film mm. if there's been a criticism at all that's the the part of it is it the is, cgi is the is the alien it's, yeah it's very it's definitely a film where you know you're not um it's not like early Cloverfield where you, you, no. you see snippets of it, but you don't see that. I mean, that UFO is on screen a lot. Yeah. There's a this lot one, of it. This one in Nope is slightly more ethereal, which I'm sure yeah. you could read into yeah. it. Is, but that for me is just, just the kind of, I don't know, the thing I, I mm. was less impressed by. The one thing that I, I mean, I touched on the fact that I would have liked to have spent a bit more time with sort of Emerald and some of the characters, but also... I found some of the... Sc- I thought some of the screenplay was great. Mm-hmm. I thought some of it was a little bit confusing. I actually wasn't sure what I was following. So when they sort oh, of hatched the plan at the end with the the wavy blow-up men that you get at car sale shows, like initially when they started talking about I on I was like, I don't know, what, what are they saying? And there was just... Some of it didn't work for me. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't... I, I felt like some of the screenplay was slightly lacking. It wasn't particularly strong. And I sort of slightly lost the thread of what was going on. I was like, have I missed... Have I missed them saying something or have they not said anything and I'm just supposed to, you know, watch it as it... Un- I wasn't sure. So yeah, it was yeah. slightly... There were really strong bits of the screenplay and there were parts of it that I didn't think were as good. Yeah, that's... Uh, with regards to 
rewatching it again over time, I wonder if any of that stuff will become mm. any clearer mm. the more you watch it and you get your head around the mechanics. Yeah. Um, so I was like, what or, the fuck are they doing now? Or whether you just further go down the rabbit hole of just like suspending all yeah. belief. Yeah. And just having to really lean into mm. the fact that this plan works. Maybe next time I'll watch it with subtitles on at home and uh, I'll be able to see if I can glean anything from those subtitles. Well, overall then, we we really had a good time with this. Had a great time. I feel like it's, it's, I hate saying it's really worth seeing in the cinema, but I think it is because there is something quite oh, pleasant about the uh, spectacle of it, the real, the real summer blockbuster angle. Yeah. It just felt like a nice summer. Yeah cinema going experience yeah a summer watch a summer blockbuster watch but with a lot to dissect and a lot to talk about afterwards and i feel like this is i mean i'm checking the time now and we've been talking for an hour 13 so this is a film that i think we could spend forever talking about um, you could analyze it to death and i love that it's our favorite thing we love it it's um i'm really glad we liked it um and i wanted to finish by doing just like a bit a a quick kind of comparison with peel's previous films because he's we've We've only got we've got Get Out and we've got Us, so it's not a big filmography, mm-hmm. um, and it's been a roller coaster so far. So as we said, Get Out was a real high, Us was a bit of a disappointment, although there are good things in it, and then Nope feels like a return to something that's quite strong and powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if we talk about sort of the comparison, the similar, I guess the similarities mostly. Um, for me, going back to those themes, the key point of similarity or comparison is that use of sort of allegory and the centering of the centering of black characters and the experience of black people in America in particular. Yeah. Get Out had such an impact in that. Um, and we've already touched on this. It, it was so explicit with its meaning, but told via sort of genre, a genre that was quite gripping and tense. Um, and it's it's con- confrontation of sort of the treatment of black bodies by white people and the way that they're used and the sort of perpetration of stereotypes felt quite bold, even though it's not the, the first film to have talked about it. But it was it felt very bold. And I think horror movies have always been a great device for sort of storytelling in this way. But Get Out felt very confident and very loud and was a very big hit in the industry. It was so it really overt. A, and, yeah, it had was such a big impact, yeah. didn't it? And I, I, I bet there are so many f- sort of emerging filmmakers now who would credit Pill as giving them the confidence to tackle sort of similar subjects. Yeah. But then Us, the meaning for me in Us is slightly more murky, yeah. slightly more opaque. Like, I mean, we've, I mean, we've literally just rewatched it, albeit you were asleep and I was a bit asleep, but it sort of ties in the treatment of black people with class difference and sort of fear out of the outsider and sort of unconscious behaviors but it feels messier it's really messy it doesn't quite come together for me in the I same way there's so. too many, there's too many it's, it's almost trying to do too it much. does too much i think it does yeah there's too many there are too many threads mm. running i think get out and nope are simpler actually yeah they're very big meaty topics yeah um underneath the surface but a lot of the storytelling is quite is a lot simpler i guess um which is maybe why it works better yeah and we were talking about that kind of the the habit of researching after you see a a jordan peele Mm -hmm. film and that it's nice and it's sort of an added part of the experience but with us i was researching to try and make sense of any of it yeah whereas with nope 
or even get out. Even get out. I feel like I'm just enhancing my understanding of it. It's not necessarily. It's, uh, it's not necessarily doing like homework to find the answers. Mm. It's like doing secondary reading to mm. just like bolster your understanding mm. to see what other people are saying about it mm. to kind of for me anyway just see if anyone else is aligning with like what my interpretation of the film is mm. and again as i said right at the beginning that's just something that i quite yeah. like mm. and i do you know like we've been saying i feel like his fr- his films lend themselves well i mean in terms of the comparison between the three of them you know they all begin with flashbacks he really they do which heavily utilizes uh flashbacks mm. within within the narrative to explain the trajectory mm. of mm. the film i think it's more successful in get out and nope than it is in us i think that is one of us's sort of flaws mm. is the mm. flopping back and forth i think i get a bit lot i think the the payoff in the twist in us at the end is very good yeah I have to say i think it's really rewarding but I get, I always get a bit confused at the beginning. Yeah. Well, this so is like, where thing. am I? What am I, I doing? I feel like it's oh, less okay. coherent. Yeah. And that's all, that's one thing I think is really obvious in his mm. films is that kind of use of, of overt flashback. Obviously, like, nope, starts with sitcom set in yeah. 1998. Completely contextless for us because we don't Yeah, know and I, yeah, I think, yeah, his films always seem to start with a jolt like that. Yeah. I think us is very similar. You've got the TV set and you're kind of like, where the hell am I? Yep. What, what is going on? Going on? Um, yeah, you're not kind of, it doesn't hold your hand and lead you into it. It's usually you start with a jolt. Um, but all he's, but a common thread between those three films is that every, it links back to this sort of the theories and the, is every detail is meticulous. So everything Obsessed is placed there deliberately. Yeah. There's nothing is an accident, no. even if sometimes it doesn't come out in the wash quite the way it's supposed to and it can be a bit confusing everything's deliberate so there's always a thousand easter eggs to kind of yeah which i love there's everything you're right in that like one of the things i'd mentioned was like the really significant and purposeful use of costuming Mm. you know there's a lot of t-shirts in particularly actually in us um again and again in Mm. nope um, there's and also you've just made me think there's a talking about jewels uh the son in us can't remember his name is wearing a jewels t-shirt yep. um so nothing nothing is a mistake no everything is purposeful within yeah. everything is adding an extra layer mm-hmm. uh whether or not it's just a cheeky reference or whether or not it's some of it's integral and integral some of it's and, yeah and obvious mm. um and i love that yeah i love Absolutely. that about was there anything else? There was one thing that I, struck me whilst we were watching us, sort of watching us, um, is the use of reflections and mirrors. So obviously we've got the doppelganger mm-hmm. motif in um, us and the fun house. And there are lots of mirrors and reflections and people reflecting off objects. And you get a lot of that in Nope as well. Mm-hmm. So you've got the kind of the... the the film in the film studio the kind of i don't know what the orb flash thing silver oh, what is yeah. it and so then, i i did read about that it's something that gets used by visual effects mm-hmm. artists mm. and i think it's to do with reflections and an added realism mm. of distortion to what they're creating ah. there was a genuinely interesting video i watched about it i think on vox Oh, nice. We'll link to it in the show um, notes or on I the website. Was, yeah, I think it was, and it it ref, it linked mm. to a video where basically like someone explains because it's like a very cheap piece of yeah. apparatus, but for a visual effects artist, it's fairly integral. Yeah. And that again, in the context of the film, then when you're aware of that, becomes 
interesting because you've got that thing that's about VFX, but then you've still got the the real physicality. Yeah. Of of using a horse. Of a horse. Yeah. And the horse's eye and the reflection of the yeah. horse's eye. There's a lot of yeah. Again, a lot of reflection reflections and mirroring and lenses yeah. and looking in yeah. um in Nope, which I I had a lot to think about as well. Yeah. Um, was there anything else? Was that no? I can't think so. I think that that. You I bet know... there's a mi- there's a million things you could do a huge deep dive yeah. into it, and I think the main purpose was to do a deep dive into Nope. It's just interesting to think about the the themes and the construction of all three of those films mm. because I think for someone whose filmography is so short, yeah, in a in a relatively short period of time, let's be honest. Um, He's got a very distinct style of yeah. sort of storytelling. You know what you're getting with a Jordan mm. Peele film in terms of the aesthetics in a yeah. good way. Yeah, but you don't know what you're getting in terms of the story. No, and that's what I like. Where it's like you go. know, like you that you just aesthetically you get it, mm. but you know you're gonna kind of there's gonna be lots to unpack in a nice Yeah, way. and you won't know where you're gonna end up necessarily. Right. It's always yeah. Very cool. What would your ranking... I mean, I assume we're going to have the same ranking. What would your ranking of um, Peel's films so far? Get Out, Nope, Us. Yes, same. Yeah. Yeah. I think Nope is is, is better than mm. Us. Mm-hmm. Again, oh, yeah. Again, I, I, I'm interested to see how it holds up in mm. terms of actually going back to it again and again. I feel like I'll have more of an inclination to re-watch it mm. than I would do Us. Mm. I've seen Get Out a few times. I mean, it's absolutely a necessary rewatch. I think, but... It's not like a pleasure. No, 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 no. Because no, not at all. And that's actually one thing that felt a bit different about this film is that GQ article I referenced talked about um, the joy of golden era Spielberg. Mm. And I think there is, even though we've demonstrated there are some very he- heavy themes in mm. this film. Jordan Peele always holds a light up to things that are people are uncomfortable about talking about. They want to cover up. They want yeah. to literally mask over. Yeah. Um, but there is a kind of, I think there is a brightness or a lightness to this film that his previous films don't have. So there is an element of joy there as well as an it's element lot, of... Um, I, yeah. I think I kept thinking about is it's a little more fun. Yeah, there's an element of fun and joy and playfulness in yeah. it as well as dealing with those kind of bigger topics. It's like really, it's sort of weighty in a way, mm. especially when you are unpacking the you know, like repressed trauma and... Mm. Animal abuse and, mm. and and violence and and things like that, but it's fun. It is also quite an action packed, yeah, yeah, sci fi really, film. Especially towards the end, yeah, that felt very of a theme, mm. you know, like genre, yeah, 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 genre thing. So mm. yeah, just a great time. Cool. Well, we'll have to watch it again. I um, would love to. I'm very glad we got to talk about it, and I'm so relieved we liked it. God, it I was, was good. Wasn't I thought it? if this, if we don't, if we find this disappointing. I'm going to have to revisit whether I think well, Jordan Peele is a really good filmmaker. <laughs> that was my feeling too. It was just like, if actually he, this is not great. Was he a one-trick Then actually is he a one-trick pony? Yeah. Or he's maybe not. he's not for me. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, glad, glad he is. Yeah. So you can find us on Twitter at The Thirst and Instagram at The Thirst Pod, or you can drop us an email on thethirstpod at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of uh, Nope or any of Jordan Peele's other films. Um, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify or wherever you like to listen and give us a nice review because it uh, helps people to find us. Um, we'll continue to share links to anything we mentioned on the blog. That's thethirstpod.wordpress.com and also check the show notes in case there's any links there. Uh, thanks. Bye.